Welcome to the House Top Podcast, the teaching arm of Oikos Ministries. Jesus said, Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Join our host, Terrell Abair, as he teaches God's Word. Well, good evening. Welcome back to part three of our series called Parable of the Sower. We've been teaching from Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. Of course, that first parable that Jesus taught, the parable of the sower. And so uh, for the first week, we covered over the uh, the idea of the, the use of parables and why Jesus used parables. And we in particular spoke about the sower himself, that there, there was rules governing the sower, which we'll get back to in just a bit uh, as we start this message tonight. Last week, we talked about two types of soil, the heart that the word fell in the by the wayside. And we talked about those wayside believers who uh, they were right on side of the way. I mean, they were really parallel right alongside of Jesus, but they were not in the way. And I believe this is a terrible condition that I believe multitudes uh, are on at many. They said broad is the way and uh, that leads to destruction. And I believe many, many people are on the wayside and, and literally they have such a relationship with God. They hear the word, but the, they have such a relationship with the world that the devil literally devours everything of God in their life. And so it's a terrible condition to be a wayside hearer. The second one was the stony heart. We spoke of that last week as well. And we talked about the hardened heart and how the heart gets hardened and the things that make the heart hard. And we especially encourage the idea of breaking up the fallow ground. We spoke about how that, you know, in the many nations that I've been in, that uh, oftentimes you'll see that they, they build these huge rock fences, stone fences. And it's because every year, no matter how much you work the land, the rocks keep coming up. And so I believe in the human condition that we, we're kind of predisposed to a hardened or, or, or the heart becoming hardened. And we should take care to break up our uh, fallow ground on a regular basis. Uh, or else we'll be very shallow in our faith. And tonight, I want to tell you, tonight is the night, uh, the, the subject that I believe inspired the whole uh, teaching co- uh, concerning this is uh, that, that some seed fell among the, st- uh, the thorns. And we'll get back to that in just a second. I'm going to read the whole thing in its entirety. And it was this passage in particular that just quickened in my spirit. And I, and I feel very... Um, uh, compelled to share this whole teaching tonight. So let's read this thing without further ado. If you've missed any of the other uh, teachings, you can go back to our website at www.housechurchesusa.com. And uh, we're Oikos Ministries, and I'm Terrell Bear. I'll be teaching tonight. So let's start in Mark chapter 4, verse 1. I'm going to read it in its entirety, and we'll get to our message tonight. And again, he began to teach by the sea. And a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat, sat in it on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. And he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. 
But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundredfold. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Uh, But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. But he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. They have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. And afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now, these are the ones who sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things in entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And so uh, tonight we're going to focus in on, in particular, those sown among the thorns. Now, as I said earlier, the book of Jeremiah, the fourth chapter, I think the third verse, Jeremiah warns, God warns through Jeremiah. He says, uh, do not sow among thorns. And I really believe when I, when I, when I read this parable in our daily readings there about a month ago, I guess, in a little over a month, uh, that this really quickened in my spirit. I mean, this idea, I believe that the entire Western culture church is uh, that all we do is sow among thorns. I really do. And, and the prophet explicitly warned, do not sow among the thorns. And, and, and literally, we're going to get into the description of what it means to sow among thorns. But I believe the, the Western church could be literally called a thorny church. It is literally uh, littered with thorns. And this is our problems today. And, and, and worse is that we exported this and it's become a worldwide epidemic. And so I, I want to look carefully at what it means to sow among thorns. And so it says in verse 18, as Jesus begins to ex- explain the parable, in verse 18, he said, those that are sown among the thorns, those seeds. I want you to know, it says that the seed is the word of God. And we're talking about logos. It's, uh, it's the same word used for the word of God, the same word used for Jesus himself that the Logos, a good word, was sown into their hearts. As a matter of fact, let me just qualify that. In every one of these hearts, it was a good word sown. There was nothing wrong with the word. It was something wrong with the heart. And so the word of God was sown into their heart. And in particular, specifically, Jesus is sown into the heart. And whether they be a wayside here, a stony uh, heart here, or, or, or now among the thorns, The good seed fell in that soil. Now, the thing about thorny ground, uh, uh, that soil was good enough to grow anything. You see, good soil, even cultivated soil can grow anything and weeds become problematic. And uh, I think that's very uh, clear, clearly shown here. It says that they, 
the, the, the cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches and lust for other things or desires for other things choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. It becomes unfruitful. So it was fruitful and it becomes unfruitful. This is a terrible condition that it was bearing fruit and then ceased to bear fruit because of the three factor, factors that go into this, uh, 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 in, into what's, uh, noted as the thorns. So when we look at it, it says three things, the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and desire or lust for other things. These three things are what's called thorns. Now, when we look at the idea of a thorn, it's just, I mean, when they platted a crown of thorns and put it on Jesus' head. Uh, I remember once when I was a, a newer Christian uh, I remember seeing a vision of this. I, I mean, it was just I, it was like I was looking at the cross from above and I could see that crown of thorns impaled on his head. And I thought of the agony it must have caused. You know, the Apostle Paul talk, talked about he had a thorn in his flesh, a messenger of Satan. Now think that through. It, it, it rocks your world for all theology. A messenger of Satan to buffet him. What? God let him have a thorn in the fresh uh, flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet him. And so a demonic attack in his flesh. We don't know what it was. I don't I don't even care what it was at this point. I know that in the old covenant that they said, if you fail to drive out all the inhabitants of the land, they will become thorns in your sides. And so if we look at anything, any holdover from our past life will be a, a thorn problem going forward in your Christianity. That's why it's so necessary to drive out all the inhabitants of your land, drive out every evil foe that Christ and Christ alone takes up residency in your body. And so when we see this issue, he said, the cares of this world. Now, I want to tell you that we are so overburdened with the cares of this world. It's absolutely phenomenal. Care is another word for it would be uh, anxiety. Um, I mean, literally be anxious for nothing, but we are anxious about the cares of this life. We begin to put much time, effort and energy into toiling over the cares of this world. Now, that's the first distractor. Uh, and that's what literally this would be when we say cares. It would literally mean a distraction, that thing that would separate us from our focus. And I mean, we're in an ADD, ADHD, whatever, put all the levers you want to on it. But something has become problematic to our minds that we can't stay focused. We're a MTV type generation that has quick soundbite. We're, we're real type people. Well, you can't watch a one hour teaching. You have to watch a, a, a 30 second reel. And if that can hold your attention, Basically, we're so distracted. The Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And so we see the idea cares of this world or distractions from the things of the kingdom of God. We begin to focus on this life. We forget all about the life to come. We forget all about eternal life. We, we are so focused on temporal and self-preservation or self-prosperity that we literally lose the old thought of the kingdom of God. Now, hear it carefully. When Jesus got through teaching this parable, when he started, you know, he said, a sower went out to sow and some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air ate it up. And some fell among the uh, stony ground and it had little shallow roots and it 
came up and then it immediately withered when the sun got hot. And then some fell among thorns and, and, and the care, and then it, uh, it, it, it literally, the, the thorns grew up and choked the word. It became unfruitful and some fell among good ground and brought forth fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. Then he said, and he who has ears to hear, let him hear what he says. And so in every one of these cases, every one of them, whether it be on the wayside, stony heart, or in uh, uh, the thorns, or in good ground, every one of them heard the word. <clears throat> the word was preached to them. So all of them have some kind of religious affiliation or relationship to the word of God. I think this is very, <clears throat> very uh, indicative to what we're dealing with and how you can come so close to Jesus and then fall away. And there's so many teachings now that say you can't fall away. And it's such a lie. And I, I want to tell you, it's going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to really push on this because uh, as it uh, go into our next point, it, it's, a it's a delusional lie that no matter how much evidence you you offer to the contrary, you cannot change a deluded person's mind. Can't be done. This is a frightening situation. And they all have a relationship with the Word of God. This is an amazing scenario. We'll get back to that in just a minute. And so it, to the cares of this world, the word, uh, it literally means a division, a divisiveness that it, 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 the cares of this world distract us from the word of God and where the word of God literally is saying things with eternal value and weight, giving us uh, the kind of things to do that would that would bear eternal consequences in our own life and the life of others. Yet we forsake that and get distracted to the temporal. It's a common, very common problem. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter six. <clears throat> One of my favorite parts of the uh, Sermon on the Mount is Matthew 6. I, I really believe in Matthew 6, Jesus teaches us a true covenant, if you would. Um, I'll start verse 19. I may skip through a little bit uh, just for time's sake. Verse 19, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, there's, there's a great picture of a divisiveness in treasure. Don't lay up treasure for yourself on the earth, but lay up treasure in heaven. Now, if we ask most of you what what kind of uh, treasure do you have in heaven? Most people cannot really answer that. They really couldn't. And, and maybe you should ponder that and think it through and find out what the true heavenly treasures are all about. I'm not going to go into that tonight. But the fact is, instead of focused on heavenly treasure, we are literally, we know all about building earthly treasure. I mean, we do that stuff. And so uh, let's, let's keep moving. Jump down to verse uh, 24. No man can serve two masters. Here's another issue. One master on one side, other on the other side. Talk about a distractor. Two masters calling at us. All right. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Verse 25. Therefore, I say, do not worry about your life. I think King James says, do not be anxious for your life. What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or about your body, what you'll put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? 
Can I tell you how much time is spent on food and clothing? Can I tell you what kind of distractors these become? Boy, I like simple stuff. I like to wear the same exact thing over and over again. Once it's comfortable, don't even think about asking me to wear something different. Give me something. I tell my wife, I dare you to bury me in a suit. Get my most wore out shirt and a wore out shoes and a wore out uh, pair of jeans or shorts. I don't care. Just don't put me in no doggone suit. Hallelujah. Let's keep it simple. I heard that Albert Einstein only had two suits and they were exactly the same. And he only, he'd wear one till it was dirty, wear the other one till it was dirty. Just keep cleaning the other one. Well, doesn't that make life easy? No, we got to have a hundred of them. Hmm? Look at your TV. Just watch some commercials for a while. They're telling you to eat something at all times. Eat, 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 eat. How many clothing commercials? Now everything's overwhelmed by medication commercials. So I, I don't know. Basically, it's the medication channel. Every channel. If you watch TV, it's just like. And, and they have medical tongues now. There's, there's words that you've never, they make up some blue, blue, blue. That's what we're going to, we're going to take blue, blue, blue this week. They just make up little words and throw them out there. And everybody goes, I'm on blue, blue, blue this week. I just started taking it. It's really good for me. But it has side effects and there's blood coming out there. You know, help us, Jesus. I don't know why I did that. Help me, Lord. Back on task. Verse 28. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. They grow how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is thrown to the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. <coughs> For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. I believe that verse 33 may be one of the most significant things that Jesus ever said to the prioritize this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things shall be added. God is telling us, go do my bidding. First seek the kingdom for yourself and then seek the kingdom for the others that others could come to the kingdom. And I will take care of you. What a covenant. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Look to establish righteousness in your own life and righteousness in the lives of others. Advancement of kingdom of God. Folks, if we lose this priority, this is ground level. This is uh, foundational floor one. This is it where Christianity starts. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added unto you. This is a wonderful covenant that God has given to us. Look, look at Luke, Luke chapter 21 uh, as he's prophesying. Uh, Jesus is prophesying of when he would return. Really three things, but I, I just want to show you something in, in Luke 21. Look at uh, 
Verse 29, he spoke to them a parable. Another parable. Here we go. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they're ready, uh, they're already budding, you see, and know for yourselves that summer is near. So you also, when you see these things happening, we're not going to go into all those other things, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass until away until all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down. Look at that. Your heart be weighed down with what? Carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life. And that day come on you unexpectedly. For it will become as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Look at there. And so we see this idea that if we get caught up in this, the closer we come to the end, the closer we come to the return of Jesus Christ, the more susceptible we could be into falling away into carousing, drunkenness, eating, surfeiting, uh, and, and then the cares of this life. Look at that. The cares of this, the distractions of this life. And folks, I can't tell you, since I came a Christian in 1981, I, I want to tell you for every, I mean, almost everybody was a teetotaler in the things of God. I mean, nobody drank alcohol. It just, if you're a Christian, you, if you're going to walk to walk, if you're going to talk to talk, walk to walk, boy, and everybody held yourself accountable. But gradually, little by little, uh, this, this began to ease up. And now it's like everybody's drinking wine. Well, you know, a little wine is just for the stomachs. All. Let, let me tell you what that wine is for. That wine is because you're anxious. Cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches. I want to tell you right now that so many people who have a relationship with God's word, you hear me careful, they have a relationship with God's word. They hear the word of God. Yet they're distracted, and I'm going to take for, for for goofy wine of all things. Some people, multitudes are going to go to hell with this. Multitudes. Oh, I can hear them clicking the their machines. Oh, they're turning the channels now. Brother, you're an error. Alcohol ain't forbidden. Go ahead, drink it. Drink up, Joe. Help yourself, pal. Get you another shot. I'll tell you what you do. Why don't you message me, inbox me on one good virtue of drinking alcohol. One. You give me one good virtue and I will shut up. Other than that, it won't silence this preacher. All right. So here we see. The cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, a lust for other things. And we're on the cares of this world. Jesus warned us again and again, do not let the cares of this life divide your loyalties from the kingdom of God. Yeah, this life has things that we need. There are needs. But if we if we lose the priority of the kingdom of God, and and it's and it can happen. And this is what all the false teachers say. That could never happen. It does happen. If you note, take note, it says they become unfruitful. They were fruitful and they become unfruitful. Terrible condition. Oh, they're still saved. Read John 15 and I, I beg to differ. 
John 15 said, if they don't bear fruit, they're cut off and thrown into the fire. Oh, that must mean something I don't understand. Go back to Mark 4. Oh, excuse me. First John chapter 2. First John chapter 2. We couldn't leave off of this without this verse. First John chapter 2. All right, I'm in verse um, 15. Let me get my glasses on. I can't see. Do not love the world or the things of this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of the Father, or, or of God, abides forever. Little children, it's the last hour, and as you've heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come by which we, uh, many Antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were, that none of us, none of them were of us. Now, we're talking about Antichrist, much talking about Antichrist these days. Uh, we all see the end approaching and the end drawing way nearer than it used to be. Uh, so we look at this idea, love not the world. I mean, as a matter of fact, from John, first John chapter one, all the way through chapter two, up to this point, he's talking about love and the love of God and loving the brethren and loving the fellowship. And he's talking about love. Then I would say, do not love the world. Do not shift the love that God has deposited in your heart. The agape that God has put in you. Do not shift it over for an affinity with the world. Do not love the world. James 4 tells us that if you love the world, you're an enemy of God. Yet Christianity doesn't even blink at the idea of being in love with, I mean, sports and I mean, money and there's no difference. There's really nothing that we can just say we're, we're the, the Jesus club. I mean, that's all you can say, but we're literally doing the same exact thing the world does. They're drinking, they're buying their, they're up in Tiger Stadium buying the beer and drinking and getting drunk and whoo, go Tigers. And I mean, you're just woohoo, crazy about them Tigers. But if somebody raised a hand in their church, they would go fanatic, idiot, crazy. Love not the world. Let let your your favorite country singer come to uh, have a Bayou Fest. We'll go in 110 degree heat and pack in 90,000 strong shoulder to shoulder and go, woohoo, give me another beer bowl and woohoo. Love not the world. Well, I ain't, I ain't loving the world, is it? Yeah, that's exactly what loving the world is. And we can take it down a notch because it happens on, it happens on, uh, High school sports, junior high sports, little league sports, t-ball. I mean, mumbly peg. Well, name something. We go absolutely bonkers for sport. It's an idol. It's bigger than, I mean, it's bigger than God in most people's eyes. <sighs> well, to the one or two are left listening now. <laughs> Love not the world, neither the things that are. Now, all of a sudden he's talking about love. And then he says, you've heard that Antichrist is coming. 
Why would he put this in there? Let me tell you something. Antichrist is simply, uh, it parallels Christianity, but it's against Christianity. It's a religious spirit. And he has to qualify and say, look, they look just like us. They came out from us, and but they're not of us, but they look just like us. Except they're absolutely bonkers for worldliness. When did it become okay to be worldly and, 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 and claim you're in the kingdom of God? This is more of that delusional thinking. Go back to me to Mark chapter 4. Let's get on our next point. Cares of this world. The next one is the deceitfulness of riches. Isn't it an amazing thing? Money can get in your pocket and tell you the biggest lie. Money can tell you it's all right. Look at that. Let's read it one time. Matthew, I mean, excuse me, Mark chapter 4, verse 18. Now, these are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. My Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. That's what it says. They hear the word. Jesus said, he who has an ear, let him hear. These people hear the word of God. You listen to me. They hear the word of God. I believe there's even somewhat of an understanding of the word of God in most of this. I really do. I believe there is comprehension of the word of God in many of these places. In Hebrews chapter four, it says the word was preached to them as unto us, but the word did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith. See, there's a lot of people who hear the word and have zero faith. I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of faithful church attenders who do not have faith. They go to church regularly, but they have no faith. There's no faith for the present. Now faith is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of the unseen. There's no continuing lifestyle that I believe in another world. I live for another world. I am not a citizen here. I'm a citizen of another kingdom. Hmm. Deceitfulness of riches. Did you know your 401k can lie to you? Do you know your retirement benefits can lie to you? Do you know your job can lie to you? Just, just the money in the bank, the money that you got hidden, your gold, whatever you buy, every bit, the deceitfulness of riches. And, and let me tell you, this word deceitful goes down deeper than just, you know, deceit means that I am convincing you of an untruth. I am telling you a lie to convince you of this, even though I know good and well, it is not true. That's what deceit means. Mark Twain, I think uh, it goes around Facebook. Maybe he said it, maybe he didn't, but it said, he said that it's a whole lot easier to convince a man of something that's untrue than it is to turn him back once he believes something that's untrue. And you talk about right. I believe it's what the Bible describes in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 as strong delusion. This deceit is so deep, it's delusional. Let me read a definition I wrote down a little earlier. Deceit is the act of causing someone to accept as true or valid what is false or invalid. Okay? See, this is what false prophets do, false preachers do. And I believe the number one false thing being propagated. Well, there's, there's two. I think they go side by side. Number one, bow your head, pray this prayer, 
ask Jesus into your heart, that's it, you're, sa you're saved. And the number two is, that's it, you're saved, and you could never lose that salvation. A false conversion and then a false belief that you could never go to hell at that point because you parroted a prayer. This is terrible. This is a travesty. And I want to tell you, it has permeated the, the religious walls. It is, it is literally the air that the Christians breathe now. I want to tell you, this is a delusion. An unconverted person who, Polly want a cracker. We parrot a prayer. Jesus, come into my heart. We parrot a prayer, unconverted, no signs of conversion, literally walk away, still in their sin, and we assure them that they could never go to hell. This could be the greatest travesty, the most demonic onslaught of antichrist preaching that has ever existed on this planet. I'm not against conversions and I'm not against security of the conversion. I'm not against either. I am against an absolute direct opposition to this propagated lie that you parrot this prayer and that's it. You could never lose yourself. Oh, this is such a damnable heresy. That is such a heresy that would damn your soul to hell. You have to see it. The deceitfulness of riches. Deceitfulness. And then we take the deception and delusional deception. Look, let me finish reading the next part of this definition. Delusion is a persistent, false, even psychotic belief regarding self, persons, or objects outside of self that is maintained despite indisputable evidence to the contrary. That's what a delusion is. When I say, when God says, do not sow among the thorns, and I say that I believe the entire American church is built on a, on a thorny, it's the thorny church. Look, when you take sinner's prayer salvation coupled with you cannot lose that salvation you got at the sinner's prayer, and then third, throw in the prosperity message, we have all the ingredients for the deceitfulness of riches. Forget all that. There's nothing you could do to lose your salvation. Go for it. Well, if I was the devil, that would be my message. It's so antichrist. It's so anti-Bible. The deceitfulness of riches and riches is, could mean anything. It's whatever your heart values. Because Some people are motivated by money or wealth. Uh, uh, some people are motivated by glory or fame or what, what, what's the true riches for you? Whatever. Uh, I mean, uh, longevity, uh, power. There, there's all kinds of things that motivate people that well, they count as riches. When he says the deceitfulness of riches, that the deception, the delusion that could happen when you appear to have obtained what you call rich. It could be 
self-preservation. It can be you're doing whatever I want to. I will always do what I want to. See, although the Bible says in Isaiah 53, we all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Turning to your own way is an abomination before God. Just doing what you want to do is literally the epitome of pride and antichrist revolution, a, 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 a rebellion against God. Cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, a delusion of riches. Well, I have health insurance. I'm in good shape. I have life insurance. I'm in good shape. I have a retirement plan. I'm in good shape. I have money in the bank. I'm in good shape. We remember the parable. The man built his, his, all of his enterprises prospered. So he, he built bigger barns and they filled up and he said, uh, soul, take thine ease. And Jesus said, you fool tonight. Your soul is required. There's so many who are going to get so involved in the deceitfulness of riches that they're, they're going to miss the return of Jesus Christ. There will be a sleep to the kingdom. And wide awake to the world. And they'll miss Jesus as a thief in the night. Let's look at that third one. Cares of this world. Excuse me. Before we do, go to 2 Thessalonians. I almost leave out my my punchline every time. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. This passage is very intriguing to me. The whole thing is, but we're going to. He's talking about the coming of the Antichrist, and I don't want to focus on that tonight, but I just want to see this. Verse nine, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion. That they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned. I like the King James. It says that they all might be damned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And so here we are, a a, a generation that loves pleasure way more than we love God. We think nothing of a $50,000 bass boat and a $80,000 truck to pull it and a $200,000 camp to pull it to and spend. But when the plate is passed for a missions offering, here's that dollar you could hold. Let's give that missionary a dollar. It'd be all right. See, this is the foolishness. This is the foolishness that I'm telling you. That we put such value in our own pleasure yet we couldn't care less at the advancement of the kingdom of God. We could care, we could care less about uh, the things of God's kingdom. But we will heap riches on ourselves. No problem. Strong delusion. God says, when someone wants to go to heaven, but doesn't want the righteousness of God, They don't want to be governed. This is the lawlessness of this day. I do not want to be governed. 
I mean, there's an anti-police movement across the United States. Well, let's defund the police, except for our personal safety. Those are the people, oh, well, you know the story. Anyway, the fact is, there's a lawlessness within the church. I will not be governed by anyone. No one will tell me what to do. My Christianity is a private affair. This is between me and God. And we, but we really don't love righteousness. And we all want to deal with this appropriated righteousness or this imputed righteousness, but having <clears throat> no form of an outward expression that there is some white righteousness residing. We don't live it out. Cuss like sailors, drink like fish. Oh, come on. I, I, I mean, fornicating, shacking up. I mean, there's no difference from the world. We'll not be governed by King Jesus under the Lordship of God, Jesus Christ. That's lawless. Won't be governed by the love of God. That's a lawless person. And because they don't love the truth of God, and truth is not just a series or system of beliefs. Truth is a person. Jesus said, I am the truth. There's a great parable that says, we will not have this man to reign over us. There are those who just literally do not want Jesus to rule their lives. I got a flash for you. He's going to rule whether you want him to or not. You will bow your knee to him whether you want to or not. I'm telling you, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want to tell you, Muhammad will bow his knee. Mary will bow her knee. Everybody, the Pope will bow his knee. Everyone will bow his knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone. No exceptions. And some are going to go straight to hell after they bow the knee, but they will bend the knee. Help us, Lord. For this cause, God will send them strong delusion that they would believe a lie. A strong delusion from God that lets them just work with the lie. Let me tell you, I feel like we're in that in America right now. That people who have bought into the parroted prayer, uh, the center, sinner's prayer, Eternal security, I can't lose it no matter what I do. And uh, personal prosperity, I'm telling you, it's a delusional life. You try to move them off of it. Try to move them off of it. They're unconvictable. The only thing that would change their mind is about 10 seconds in hell. Then they'll all be ready to repent. Keep reading. We're going back to Mark chapter 4. Deceitfulness of riches. Man, is your money lying to you? Is your wealth lying to you? Is your wealth saying, oh, it's okay. It's all right. You're in good shape. You're going to be fine. When you're dangling over eternal damnation. And finally, this is the thorny ground, folks. This is what it produces. Cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. In particular, Forbidden things. We're talking about lust. The lust for other things. I mentioned this Sunday in our house church meeting. I, I, I forgot the exact numbers, but it's amazing to me right now. The evolution of the uh, social media, the Internet, and everyone having a computer in their hand at all time, 100% of the time, all day long, all day, and the and the rise of pornography across the globe 
is unbelievable. I understand there's somewhere around 330, 350 million Americans. There may be that many more illegal aliens too now. That, uh, but, but it, the, regardless, however how many there is, listen to this carefully. There's uh, several billion visits to pornographic websites in America alone every day. Okay, let's try to get these numbers in proportion. 350 million citizens and several billion hits on pornography? What has gone wrong? What's up? Talk about a rewiring of the brain. Now we don't know male from female. We're calling everything a gender, making this junk up. And I'm supposed to believe the science when all the science are absolutely idiots. Judges that are idiots. Supreme Court justice. Can you define what a woman is? Well, I'm not a biologist. I mean, this is America. What what planet did this human being fall out of? Is this crazy? This is past. This is strong delusion. This is so demonic, it's off the chain. A lust for other things. Let me tell you something, folks. I have long been understanding this. If you refuse to obey the Great Commission, in particular, what we read earlier in Matthew 6, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, seeking that for yourself and for that to be established in the lives of others. When you cease doing that, all you have left is one of two directions, personal prosperity or total abandonment and apostasy. The personal prosperity is that, yeah, you're an apostate in heart, but you stay in the church and you love pleasure more than you love God. You have a form of godly, but, but godliness will deny the power. There's no absolute, no power of God showing in your life at all. A lust for other things. Love not the world for all that's in the world. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh and the pride of life. These are the things that are in the world and it makes you an enemy of God. And yet this is where most Christian people spend their lives right here in this sewer, in this gutter. It said, sow not among thorns, but that's all we're sowing among is thorns. It's time to chop this up. I don't know of any way. I've said it mean, loud, hard. I try to be sedate. I'm not good at that. I try to be, I'm not Mr. Rogers and I'm not, I'm not gay and I'm not going to be effeminate and I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. Dear God, man, wake up. You're delusional and nobody can shake you out of your delusions. When I saw the vision looking down at the crown of thorns years and years ago, oh, I bet it's 35 years or more ago. When I saw that, I was just like surreal. I was like I was hovering above the cross and I looked at the thorns on his head. Many times I've considered they planted the thorns and shoved those things down. Who knows what it did? What damage was done when they did this? 
And when I think of the thorny believer whose mind has been penetrated by the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, lust for other things, and that Jesus wore this crown to penetrate his own scalp, who knows, maybe his brain, Surely he bore our infirmities. Wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, chastisement of our peace is upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every man to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. What a picture. The crown of thorns. Yet we want to be, we want to wear the crown of glory. Pride of life. Earthly status, reputation, power. The deceitfulness of riches. Lust for other things. Choke that literally strangles the word of God. When a vine gets in your garden and begins to wrap around that good plant, it will literally strangle it. There will be indentations. It's not dead yet, but it's so choked down, it is literally greatly inhibited from progressing any further. Choked almost out. Choked almost lifeless. That's what it means. It chokes the Word of God. And I want to tell you, there's so many of you out there tonight who literally have the Word choked. Throttled. Choked down. Strangled down to where it has no effectiveness in your life. And becomes unfruitful. Folks, I am, I fear the fruitless, fruitlessness of this generation. Next time we meet, next week, when we te- when I teach, I'm going to talk about the good soil that bears fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold. And we're going to contrast these two together. We'll look at it a little further. The fact is that the fruitless life, an un- a person whose ground bore fruit and then became unfruitful, Versus a person who bears fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. I believe our God is a very fruitful God. I believe that he gathers where he didn't even straw. I believe he can gather where he did no work, where no labor was bestowed. God is fruitful. I want to tell you, I believe his people can be fruitful as well and bear fruit in season and out of season. I believe we can bear fruit even in this difficult, thorny ground we walk on. What's the old Christmas carol say? Though thorns infest the ground. They infest in it, all right. I pray, break up your fallow ground. Tend your own heart. Chop up your own soil. Break up the fallow ground. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. It's time to seek the Lord until He comes and rains righteousness on us. God bless you. Have a blessed week.
We are so thankful that you joined us for this teaching today. It's our sincere prayer that many of you would be born again through hearing God's Word. If you were blessed by this podcast, we would love to hear from you. For more information on Oikos Ministries, visit us on our website, www.housechurchesusa.com.